We're talking about youthfulness in honor of Youth Month. I just felt this year, you know, even when I was looking at all the celebrations and the speeches meant and made for our young people, I just felt like something is missing. Given the challenges that our young people are facing, I don't know how you feel, young people out there, but I thought about it and I thought if I was a young person in South Africa this time, honestly, I wouldn't be feeling too inspired. But in the light of that, I would be even more motivated to make my youth count because there's something about youth and youthfulness that is very dynamic and incredible. And the Bible does encourage us to maintain a youthful spirit. I will not go to everything that we said last week. But the two main texts that we're using, Psalms 103, verse 5, it says, who satisfies your mouth with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 in particular, it says, but those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So this reference of our youth being renewed like that an eagles and us mounting up with wings like eagles is a reference to how an eagle gets renewed through the process called molting. We did explain that. How the, the feathers of an eagle are renewed. In the case of an eagle, it's in an annually, every year. It's that gradual process of the renewing of the feathers. And as a result, the eagle is required to fly and sit on a nest. I thought I'll talk about a nest today. I'll do it next week because I need to finish off other things. So God explains to us how important youthfulness is to us. Youthfulness, as we said, we used two definitions Number one, when we talk about youthfulness, we're talking about something that is marked by or it's possessing youth. It's marked by or it's possessing youth. Or the fourth definition is having vitality or freshness of youth. So in other words, there are certain things that characterizes youthfulness. Young people have certain things that characterize them. When you look at them, it pours out of them. It's part of who they are is what they possess. I don't know about you, but I just love looking at youthfulness. I love looking at young people. They look handsome. They look pretty. They look fresh and strong. There's just something attractive. About, I know some of you don't want us to look at people. Now I look at people. And I admire beauty. There's nothing wrong. And I know some of you, you know, sometimes when people we're thinking about certain contexts. No, you, can, you look with an innocent look. And you look with an eye to admire. I love beauty. I love what God has done. It's beautiful. And when you look at young people, I just love, I love their agility. I love, I love the way they are. But then there are certain qualities of youthfulness. Number one, we talked about strength. Young people are strong. You all know, as you get more senior, your strength is not as it, at its best. You're not at the peak of your strength. But one thing that characterizes youthfulness is being strong. We've talked about that, and I don't want to go back to that. The second thing, and I don't even know where we ended last week, is uh, the second thing is courage and a sense of adventure. We talked about how we see David challenging Goliath when his older brothers 
wouldn't do anything. When they settled for an attitude of you can't do anything about it. You know, that's a problem when you allow yourself to be old in your thinking. I'm not talking about elderly in years. But it's, I'm talking about a spirit and an attitude and a mindset. A mindset of being old is, is a mindset that accepts the status quo. Your youthfulness uh, has a lot of courage, has a lot of adventure. I love the way young people are adventurous. Even if you know what they're going to do is not going to work, but they believe it's going to work. <laughs> and, 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 and that sometimes it does work. We know in our history it was the young people who challenged the, the education system, them being taught through Africans as a medium of instruction. Not long ago, uh, uh, the Fees Must Fall campaign, young people stood up on their own. And they said, we can't allow this. And so this sense of adventure, Barcelona, is what we must have. Can I hear an amen? amen. I heard somebody say, yeah, at the back. Can you hear that yeah again? I loved it. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the youthful yeah. I loved it. So that's the th- third thing. Number three, youth constantly embrace new things. And they have a sense of curiosity. They constantly embrace things and they have a sense of curiosity. You know, it's amazing how during this time of COVID-19, our young people have been the ones who have been carrying us. They've leapfrogged us into technological advancement. Many of us, we don't realize Zoom khale anything. Teams khale anything. But we've not been using all those apps that are on our phones and on our laptops. And, and when COVID happens and we had to go the technological way, my goodness, I've hung on our young people to help me. Because some of us, I don't know, guys, I don't like being on social media personally uh, for my own reasons. I, okay, let me not, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't think I'm good in responding to people on social media, okay? And, and, and can be very intrusive. And given the work that I do, I'd rather keep the church one and not be personal. But I, I've, I, I had to be forced to get onto social media. You know, and be on tweets and be on that. As you can see, I don't have my personal Facebook. I remember I tried to open the Facebook. In, in the first two minutes, I think I had almost 200 people who wanted to be my friends. Two minutes, 200 people. I said, no, no, I don't, never, I, no, never. But here we are, Barcelona, we are using technology. I've been amazed at how our young people have been able, I mean, with a 24-7 prayer. I don't know how, how you know, I don't know how they can explain this. I don't know how they do it. But they use uh, two platforms. And I, I learned the terminology from Tsepang. You know, this Tsepang who always says in the morning the image is good. You know, I think they'll be the most famous two young people in our church after all this is said and done. They use two platforms. They use the Zoom platform. So we, we buy, there's a, there's a license, every Rekang, uh, a certain access to Zoom, wherein you can have X amount of people who can tune in at the same time. And then they have our Facebook, come on. So Runa who lead the prayer, we log on to Zoom, right? So before, before you come on, you log on to Zoom, you are able to talk to them, go Zoom. And on Zoom, they've got several people, Ki Runa, Ki the one who's leading, and there's several technical people in the background, Bamol. So when they keep you on standby. So on your, on your computer, you can see the person who's leading, you can see yourself. Mara, Facebook, there's many of us. Some of you are confused already. Yeah, that's how confused it can be. And, and, then, and then we, we are able to, 
to check or you know, lights on, everything, camera, adjust this sound, all right, blah, blah, blah. And then you know you are just about hotla on. And then when you are about to come on, then you, 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 you see by highlighter, you are able to talk to the guy, thank you for leading. Then I oh, thank you, my leader. And I say, thank you, my leader. <laughs> Anybody knows what I'm talking about? And then they say, may God bless you. Kirilu and I bless you. Say, bye-bye. And I come on. And all of this reyes are from our homes. Everybody does it from the comfort of their home. I tell you, if it wasn't for young people, I wonder where we would be. But I just love the way. I'll give yourself a hand, young people. Yeah. We have been leapfrogged into the world of technology. Amazing things that we have done, we've, we've had to be, to operate in this IT space. We were, we were rushed into the fourth industrial revolution, <laughs> even if we didn't want it. So of the many things that Jesus always talked about in his teaching is how people must embrace and display the attitude that children have. Children and youth display the ability to embrace new things. And live life with a sense of curiosity. See, when, when you, if, you, if you are walking around with your, your toddler and you're walking through a park, they always stop to look and inquire. Marawena, you are in a hurry. And they look at things and see things that you don't see. You know, kids, they see something. You don't even see in toilet. You are in a hectic. But there's just something about that. They have a sense of curiosity. In Matthew 18, verse 3, Jesus said that except we be converted and become like children, we will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. What is he saying? He's saying if you're going to learn something about the kingdom of God, you must embrace an attitude of that of children. And among the many things is children have a sense of curiosity. See, some of you, your challenge is that you've gotten stale in your work with God. Because you've come to church, you are expecting just to tick the box. You're not expecting anything new. You're expecting the program just to run as usual. Even if there's something new that is being said, you're not hearing it anymore because you're just ticking the box. But if you have a sense of curiosity about you, you're trying to find out something that you didn't find out before. Ah, oh, come on, can I hear an amen here? In Isaiah 43 verse 19, God says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Watch this. We will not be able to embrace the new things that God wants to do in our lives if we do not have a sense of curiosity about us. And we've got to be able to embrace new things. Now watch this. I'm not encouraging curiosity in the sense of trespassing. I'm not saying if because our experience are something new. That's not what I'm talking about. Stay away from wrong things. But I'm talking about curiosity in a sense of us knowing more, finding out more from God. What is this, We know in life that curiosity often leads to answers. You will never know if you don't ask. You know, one of the things for me that became a huge thing was... I would ask myself, you know, and, you know, hurry. Look, as a child, I'd go to church, you know, and, and, I, I'd, and I'd hear someone, powerful someone on prayer. I mean, Murutu Natarera. Kulega. Rapela. And I'd be so inspired to Kulega. 
to Rapella, I, I, I tell you. Then I go home, and then I went to Kulega, and then I found out I didn't know how to pray because my pastor told me to pray. He didn't show me how to pray. Do you understand what I mean? They never gave me practicals. They say, stand against the devil. Stand against the devil. Resist the devil. My how? How? So as a child, that curiosity, you know, that thing, I can see the inspiration and the perspiration. How? 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 Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? And that how, and that mindset of wanting to know how. Yes, sir. Walk in the anointing. You must be anointed. How? I want to be anointed. Mara how? You see? And, and children bring it down here. You see, young people don't like the theoretic. They want the practical. Yeah. Don't tell me about the uh, uh, the sweet by and by a good life afterwards. So when you start asking, when you start asking the practical question, curiosity leads to answers. It sparks a sense of wonder. Please, never lose your sense of wonder and your sense of awe when it comes to the bigness of God. Every day, there's something to know about God that you didn't know before. In fact, in life we know, each day, brilliant people uncover earth discoveries. And that's because they've never stopped questioning. Because it doesn't matter what the latest phone you have. It doesn't matter if the iPhone, whatever. Okay, there's going to come one better than that. In fact, it's already been manufactured. Doesn't matter how your car, how it has the latest technology. There's going to come something better than that. And the reason is that there are people who are always curious. But it, it troubles me when I see people content with recycling things. It worries me when people become so stagnant. Even when they come to church, they, they don't see anything new. Now, something new doesn't necessarily have to be something that was never before. It can be a new experience in a sense of finding something new about the same thing because there are levels of knowledge and levels of depth about the same thing. Are you there, Bazala? I'm so glad that our young people, our musicians, and, and, and well done to you that you've tried, you're starting to compose some songs. Like we said, we will, we will, yeah, I think we must give them a hand because you know, give them a hand, Bazala. And thank you that you are trying to be original because I've not understood Runa in South Africa. An artist, Unkasafila, Sakhale. Abangwala, one line. Come on, don't give me that look. Don't give me that look. Abangwala, one line. Next thing, why claim? Yeah. Why copyright? And I've never, I've wondered, has God's spirit run out of ideas? Huh? Why can't we have new music? I mean, look in the other industries. Look how far Gorm has come. Look how far House has come. Look at all the different dance moves that are there. There's new things coming out. Serious. 
Look at your dress code, some of you. Somebody who nants her is at the other day, hey, Nick, I'm going to do whoops, so the apparel. Come on, who's laughing like that? Don't laugh like that. That's not right. Murutu, you can't laugh at me like that. God have mercy on you. But anyhow, but you see, Barcelona, it's the world, but I've often wondered what has happened to the musician in church. But I'll tell you why. Because you see, if you don't get into the presence of God and have a hunger to know something new, you lose that. Yeah. 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 Have a sense of wonder. Have a sense of awe about God. Because God tells you in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 12, he said, as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us. The spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? Number four, motivation. Is my someone boring you? No. Are you youthful? Yes. Number four, motivation. Think back when you were a child. The aspirations you had. How motivated you are to be an astronaut, a doctor, a pastor. But somewhere down the road, those ambitions began to dwindle thanks to hardships. You know, I was thinking about it this morning, and that's why I brought this. I don't think I'll have a chance to call it When I was doing my devotions this morning, the Spirit of God said something to me that really struck me. You know? And that is one thing about getting senior is that you start having to carry responsibility for so many things. Now, this is what God said to me. He said, and when you start carrying a lot of things, it's what the Bible calls cares, C-A-R-E-S. In the Greek, is the word merima. Halkala ujara, responsibility. There's something about carrying responsibility that extinguishes your newness and your freshness. You get bogged down in responsibility and you lose the ability to be creative because you have to get into maintenance mode. That's what happens. When you're young, you don't have responsibility. If you do, it's very little. I remember as a child, it used to take so long for Christmas hood. <laughs> but as I've gotten older, before kids ever Christmas key, the question is, have the days become shorter? No. But it's me who has changed, not the days. Why? Because every day I have to deal with responsibility. So, responsibility, you no longer have time to laugh. You no longer have time for yourself. You no longer have a time just to sit around beside cynics. No time, nothing, nothing, nothing. You jump from one thing to the other. And like somebody said, as a result, we are never present at anything. Why? Because how the morning, already you have the next thing coming. That's not life, Barcelona. We are never there. We are never fully present. 
That's why I don't want Children are there. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they, when they, they are there, they are present. And their motivation level is up there. They still have that sense. That there's, there's brightness in their eyes. You can see that glitter in their eyes. Ah, no, no, no. We have moved into maintenance mode. No spark. The vuma is not there. The vuma is not vooming anymore. Your aspirations should never die. Never lose sight of your goals. You realize that it may take long to get there. But when you get there, everything you've endured in the journey will make the trip worth it all. There are young people in the Bible we read about, like Josiah. Eight years old when he became a king. This young man, his big motivation was to see the whole nation come back to God. I wonder how many young people can embrace that. I wonder how many of us can embrace that youthful mindset. No, 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 no. You see, the attitude of being old, even now, somebody tried that and they failed. How was I? No, no, no. That's, that's an old way of thinking. People are not motivated anymore. They are burdens. And they are cares. And they are failures. And they are mistakes. Has taken the motivation out of them. Some of you don't want to try anything anymore. You are disappointed with God. You are disappointed with relationships. You are disappointed with your neighbors. You are disappointed with your children. You are disappointed with everything. You don't want to try anything anymore. You are living a life of maintenance. You are living a life that's so predictable. There's nothing new, nothing exciting. There's nothing that demands you to go further, pray harder, have more faith, work longer, work harder. Nothing that makes you to push. You've just gotten into maintenance. You are just being carried by circumstances of life. May God renew you. May God renew your, your youth like that of an eagle. No, I refuse to lose my motivation. COVID or no COVID, I refuse to lose my motivation. In the name of Jesus, I refuse. I refuse. Josiah, eight years old, when he became a king. I don't have the time to go into the background. But things were not bad. Were not good, rather. Worst of all, he didn't come from an exemplary home. His grandfather... Manasseh practiced evil. His father, Amnon, practiced the same evil. This young man didn't come from any good background. He wasn't born in a good home. But instead of rising up to blame his parents, where he had witnessed idolatry, violence, deceit, covetousness, Josiah was intentional to be different. Do you have the motivation to be different? Do you have the motivation to be the difference in your family? Do you have the motivation to be the difference in your community? Some of you are not even saying amen. Look at your neighbors. Amen. But Josiah did what was right before God. He walked with God. The Bible says he did not turn aside. He became a change agent. How many of you are saying me I will be a change agent and I have the motivation. I have the motivation. 
Ha, number five. Let me end with number five. I wish to keep you here for another hour. Number five, having the first love. First love. First love. <laughs> you know, first love for me is synonymous with young love. Young love is hot. <laughs> young love is passionate. Have you ever had a crush on somebody? I know we're in church. <laughs> when I was in primary school, I had a crush on my teacher. <laughs> Please don't take me to the CRL commission now. <laughs> but when I was a child, there was nothing erotic or sexual about it. I just loved her. Ooh. <laughs> I couldn't concentrate in class. <laughs> I remember one day, you know, Ronaldo Hule in those days, I think they still use a chalkboard. They still use a chalkboard today. She had written something on the chalkboard. I was so struck by this lady that I am mad. Yes, I'm man now. I thought she had made a mistake. I thought she, she had written a sentence and I'd written that sentence three times in my book. So I thought it's her on the board. So I just went to her to go and show her she's corrected it. She must correct it. How do you feel like, oh, no, it's only one sentence. How come I saw three? What happened to me? <laughs> See, I'm a, I'm a grown-up. I understand those things. They don't bother me. I don't know if I told you the story. One day I was preaching in our branch in Cape Town. And uh, there was this young guy who had a crush on my bishop. <laughs> now I see I'm a parent. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm a grown up. So after the service, he comes to come talk to her. And uh, so I can see, oh, King Hashem. Don't worry. So then at the end, Urino, can we take a picture? So, yeah, like I am, no, no, Bishop, when I am a lot more. <laughs> hey. And I obliged, Barcelona. With my tail between my legs, I just stood to the side. In Revelations 2, verse 1, the NIV says to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the golden lampstands. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not any, you have found them false. He says, you've persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I have this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken your first love. See, 
this church in Ephesus, it was a very interesting community in the province of Asia. It was almost at this time the epicenter, if you would, of religion. They had different religions. Christianity, of course, but they had pagan religions. There was a pagan god called Artemis. Also, there was a focus on magic. This congregation in Ephesus had been founded by Priscilla and Aquila. When you read in Acts chapter 18. And with Paul's guidance, this congregation grew and it became the evangelistic center. Later on, Timothy took the place of Paul and became a pastor of this church. So years later, God writes by his spirit to this church, says to them, you've lost your first love. Now, he's not talking about strong emotions. Because strong emotions cannot be expected to last. But what he's talking about is a zeal for God. Which can only be renewed, as he said, when they return to their first love. He says, if you don't repent, he says, I will come and remove your candlestick. It's called the menorah. I'll come and remove the menorah. What does it mean? When your menorah is removed, you will cease to exist as part of a vibrant body. You will continue as an institution, as a social gathering, but you will not have the anointing and the power of God anymore. You will not walk in light, which is a spirit of revelation and a spirit of understanding. You will not have the candlestick, which is a sign of the light of God that comes upon us, that enlightens us. The brightness that he brings, the fire that he brings as we walk in his anointing. And he says, you've got to go back. To your first love. The problem of being old in your attitude is that you cool off in spite of your doctrinal purity. There's nothing as sad as that. You see, people who are doctrinally pure murder dead sticks. They are so doctrinally pure that they are judgmental to everybody out there. They see everybody's fault. They know themselves to be right, to be true, to be pure, to be whatever, and they judge everybody. Mara, they have no passion for God. Yeah. 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 When you have first love, it's not just about the purity, doctrinal purity, which we must retain. It's about the firm, burning passion for God to involve ourselves in the work of God, in the things of God, to have passionate worship. That's why Kedwana saw when we are dead in our singing. We haven't come to God's funeral here. Are you listening to me, Basana? We haven't come to God's funeral here. We are here to worship God, to lift up the name of Jesus, and to glorify His name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These people had remained orthodox. But they have unlovingly become controversial with the, what he calls the Nicolaitans. He says, you've lost your first love. You've left your first love. In the Greek, it says you've remitted your first love. You have let down your early love. You have a lost, glowing, ardent love than you had at first. The love for your Savior. 
You are less than what it formally characterized you. And you see this as people get used to God. They cool off. Cool off. They cool off. Even if they still maintained doctrine and religion, even if they still were opposed to the errors of people who preached error, but they showed less affection towards Christ. Their warmth had given place to a lifeless orthodoxy. And he said, first love. It's honeymoon love. Oh, yeah. It's a love described in Jeremiah 2, 1 and 2. Watch this now. Whilst it is true that matured married love, even if it might not be showy, but it deepens and grows richer, it's also true that we don't lose the excitement and wonder of the honeymoon days. See, even in marriage, when husband and wife begin to take one another for granted and life becomes a routine, then marriage is in danger. And Jesus says, I call now. I want that first love. I want you to come and correct me on the chalkboard. I want you to take a selfie with me and chase out everybody else. I want your first love. Labor for God is no substitute for love for God. Doctrinal purity is no substitute for passion for God. We must have doctrinal purity and passion. We must worship and be unplugged. We must run after God with everything in us. I don't know who told us that when we come to church, we must be these dead stick Christians. Some of you, you can't even raise one hand. You can't even say amen. We shout and scream everywhere else. When we come to God, we give him a dead stick life. God says, I'm not going to have any of that. Return to your first love. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a big hand. Give the Lord a big hand. I know, I know you may not like it, but come on, give the Lord a big hand. You've got to return. Can you raise your hands to the Lord? Father, we thank you for the privilege to honor you and bless you. You're worthy of the praise, worthy of the honor, worthy of the thanksgiving. Shall we stand on our feet, please, everybody? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Bow your heads and close your eyes. If you are here and you ever received Christ as Savior and Lord, I, I believe this opportunity is for you. You can invite Christ and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Savior and Lord of my life. Change me and make me a child of God. If that's you, raise your hand. Raise your hand right where you are. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Father, we want to thank you for this privilege and this time. Raise your hands as we worship him. Bless you, Lord. 